0: what's up everybody welcome to project commission today we have abby hey guys (laughs) i'm so excited to have abby abby's awesome i literally love her life um she's definitely inspirational to me i don't know if i've ever told you this but you're like so inspirational when i first met you the fact you were a youth pastor blew my mind because i had i had not met many women that were youth pastors during the time and so it was just it was weird like not I'd say weird but I, I mean it was weird and it was just like yes I could have a friend who's just as, like as passionate as I am about souls and so I was just like yay Abby I want to be your friend <laughs> and so I kind of forced myself in her life but here we are <laughs> So here we are. Um, I'll just let
1: Abby introduce herself and we'll go and get started. Yeah. Uh, My name's Abby Vaughn. I'm the youth pastor at Evangel Temple in Springfield, Missouri. I've been there for almost two and a half, three years now. And it is a joy and privilege of my life to serve the next generation. Uh, I love what I do. Um, God called me at a young age. I love this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. KB, I love stewarding the call. In people's lives so when I was 12 uh, God called me into youth ministry at kids camp Um, and so ever since that moment I've been chasing after the call I got books about being a pastor when I was a kid and I would read them Um, and then I spent lots of time with my youth pastor sitting and trying to learn from him Uh, such a great inspiration I think I had the best youth pastor of all time so I really try to be like him um, well, also being myself, uh, but so I chase after the call, and when I got to college, I get to college, and suddenly I'm like, wait a minute, I think maybe I misheard God, and maybe I'm, I made this up, maybe I'm not actually supposed to be in ministry, and the calling just felt really daunting all of a sudden." Because when I got to college, I was like, oh, it's real now. Like, I'm like here, I'm getting a degree to be in ministry. And so I got really scared. And I really felt like at the same time, while I was scared, the Lord was calling me down a different path. So I prayed about it. And I felt like God was calling me into theater education. I love the arts and I love teaching. And so after a lot of thought and prayer and talking to mentors, they were like, Abby, if that's what you think God's calling you to do, like do that. So I changed to theater education all the while still serving in youth ministry. And I was like, oh, I'll just be a teacher and then I'll serve in youth ministry on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. And I'm still serving the next generation just in a different way. Like I'm going to reach people in the public school. And so uh, I did that and then I get to my junior year of college and suddenly, you know, you're trying to figure out what you're going to do because it's about to be your senior year and you're like, oh, no, I'm going to have to get a real job. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to be in college anymore. And so I started praying and thinking about it and I'm like, "Okay, I'm going to become a teacher. Where do I want to teach at? And God just began to bring people in my life that were like, hey, Abby, maybe you should consider being a youth pastor. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. I gave that up like three years ago. Like God asked me to lay that down three years ago. And I- I'm not doing that. I'm going to be a teacher. And they're like, well, maybe you should pray about it. And I was like, no, I think that like we're done. With that. <laughs> so I-, I called my mom. My mom is like an amazing woman of faith. So I call her and she's like, Abby, you should really pray about this. And I'm like, okay, guys, I get it. I'll pray about it. So I begin to pray about it. And the Lord begins to stir my heart again. He's like, Abby, I've kept you in youth ministry serving all these years. And, and during that time, I was, these students came to me and I was able to pour into them extra. And I was like, oh man, like God is calling me back into youth ministry. I thought I was done with this. I thought I was out of there. Um, and so then it happened my senior year, the youth pastor of serving under, he, um, he stepped down and I went to the senior pastor of the church and I said, hey, I know you don't really know me, but I think that I need to be the next youth pastor of this church. <laughs> and the guy was like, wow, you were passionate!" And I'm like, yeah, I've prayed about this. I really feel like this is where God's calling me. And And so he prayed about it too, you know? And so I was hired. And ever since then, it's been a learning process, but it has been a joy. Ministry certainly isn't easy. Uh, I've learned that very well over the last two and a half years. I've gone through pastoral transition and just a lot of chaos. Uh, But even in the chaos, it's been so beautiful. Um, And I can see how God used uh, my other degree, my theater education degree, to uh, help me in youth ministry and give me a really unique perspective that I think um, not all youth pastors have. So that's been really beautiful to see God. Uh, take this calling from when I was 12 years old and see him steward it and it hasn't looked how I thought it would look and it hasn't looked how the Abby plan thought it would look Um, but he's using it all for his glory and it's so beautiful and I think about Abby at 12 years old like preaching a sermon at fine arts she had no idea where she would be today and how she would be impacting lives and so Just really beautiful.
0: I did not know you were twelve whenever you felt the call initially. Yeah. Like that blows my mind because I just think about like even with um I we're doing a conference um later on this year and in the conference, um, the Lord told me to make it for children. Mm. Uh kid like kids, youth, young adults and to basically like push pastors and diff- basically the five-fold ministry yeah. to be there as well and the reason why is because the lord basically was telling me that these kids would need a home after they would be saved yeah and i was like god they're gonna be so young like you know like because yeah. i think about me being called i ran away from my call for like my entire life because yeah. my parents went through a divorce and mm-hmm. from the divorce um I almost hated ministry. Like, I, it literally broke me in such a way. I can't describe it to people. I was broken in so many levels. So my pursuit was uh, medicine. I wanted to be a doctor so bad. And I, I did different things. Um, I went to different camps. Yeah. I was doing the thing. I went to early college because I was like, I'm going to fast track. <laughs> I was just, I was doing all of these different things. And the Lord, um, when I really began to seek Him out and really truly submitted my life back over to Him, He began to work on my heart, and He was like, "Hey, you know, you need to start praying about this. Let's talk about this a little bit more." And I remember there was one day specifically when He told me to come to Evangel. Later on that year, I thought I was going to be going to a different college, and the Lord was like, "No." Nah. <laughs> so I ended up applying to Evangel. Mind you, I left this and of God, my parents. Neither one of my parents were even going to the Assemblies of God. We had a relation with them, but we left the Assemblies of God. So I had not even heard of Evangel. I didn't know, one where it was. And so <laughs> when the Lord told me to go to Evangel, I was just like, what? <laughs> like, you know, so I ended up applying, I got in and I still applied as, I think I ended up going to psychology or like, it was like psychology pre-med something because I couldn't let go of science and um it was labor day weekend i was getting ready to go to the beach with um my cousin and her friends and who are my friends it was like a girls day trip and everything but i was it was the night before and i was literally shaving my legs and it's like <laughs> i need you to understand the position i was in i just started bawling like shaving my legs i'm starting to cry and the Lord's like, I have not called you to be a medical doctor, but I've called you to be a doctor in my people. Wow. I was 18. Damn. Yep. I was 18 years old. And when he said that, he gave me Jeremiah, I think it's um, 8 and 22. And it says, is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Mm-hmm. And he said, I've called you to apply the word to my people. And that completely shifted my whole life because this whole time I knew I had this desire to... Um, help people and that was my prayer in the shower that night like you know I was like God I want to help people but I don't know what you want me to do just tell me like be clear about it be plain about it I'm sitting here going back and forth I want to be obedient yeah. and so when God spoke that to me bawling again I was just crying and that shifted my whole plan and I remember everybody thought I was crazy because they were like what is going on with KB She's not going into me- the medical field. I remember I was telling my family. I didn't tell anybody. That was in September. I did not tell anybody till February because I was like, they're going to think I'm insane. Um, <clears throat> I didn't tell anybody about Evangel until February. So it was like this whole big thing. But my point is the fact that you were, even though it shifted, I think it's just interesting from a young child. God had this destiny for you and like you said it didn't happen in the way that you thought it would it for me it didn't happen in this box it didn't happen like this particular way i thought i was going to be a doctor i thought i was going to do this but god took my desire that i had looked at it in a fleshly lens and i was like i have to be a doctor because this only makes sense he was like no let me give you spiritual eyes to see and so That then turned over to me being able to go and apply the word like a doctor, like giving prescriptions out like a doctor. Like, this is what the word says. This is how you're supposed to live your life. This is what, you know, Jesus says to you. He loves you so much and how it mends broken pieces. And so that just amazes me because even like, ah, I know you studied theater. And when I met you, I was like, she's so like, (laughs) <laughs> Theatric, like, you know, and so it makes sense, but it really does grasp um, people. So I just think it's,
1: I just, it was just a God moment. And it yeah, a- I'm really grateful that I had people to surround me to steward the call I had in my life because there's so many kids that have a calling to ministry, but I think with social media and TikTok and all the things like, so it used to be for generations the number one goal for people. Was you know to have a family and get married, mm-hmm. and now the number one goal for like Gen Z and Gen Alpha is to have a money making career. Mm-hmm. And as we know, ministry isn't really a money making career. And so if I I think if I didn't have someone to steward the call in me, then I would be chasing after like wealth, not understanding like wealth isn't the goal. Like yeah. my goal is to make disciples. Um, and God's called me to make disciples in a different way and wealth isn't always bad and he calls some people to be you know entrepreneurs and things but for me he's called me to like lay aside this desire for wealth and chase after people so I'm just really grateful for all the people
0: I even think like people that are in wealth though like from my from my perspective those who have given their wealth to God they use it for his kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. And so that, yeah, blows, I mean, sure. that's just such a humbling thing to watch yeah. because it's like God can entrust you in money. Absolutely. He can't do everybody like that. Yeah. And it makes me think of, um, Matthew, and I, I've brought this up a couple of times, at least I think in the other podcasts I've done, um, but the scripture in Matthew chapter six, where it does talk about that we don't have to worry about the things yeah. that concern us basically, um because if he cares for his creation the way that he does and he yeah, cares for absolutely. you like even more yeah. like you know and so it makes me think of that because when you step into ministry there is so many worries that you have and people don't even realize that because yeah. you're like how am I going to pay for our apartment yeah <laughs> God you're telling me to move here how am I going to yeah. pay
1: for it and how God still provides I'm oh absolute bath yeah, for sure you know so yeah God has always provided for me um and even just the people in my church supporting me and caring for me and loving me has been a blessing too. my family lives, you know, five hours away. And so which is isn't that far, but it's still hard to be away from your family, as you know. And so not only has the Lord always provided for me financially, but he's also provided for me with a spiritual family to love me and care for me, which is beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's like an emotional, a physical and a spiritual um, caring like a nurturing yeah and it really doesn't make me um think of like the character of god like everybody thinks like throughout the process of god um like going into ministry or even following jesus in general that you kind of some people have this idea that god is such like a gonna punish you idea and like in some ways that does happen sometimes but not all the time Cause he still cares for you, so he punishes you like a father. Yeah, and I have to remember that sometimes because I'm like he cares for me that much. Yeah, absolutely. He loves me that much, and that's that's something that's you know not talked about as much anymore. Yeah, because um, everybody's scared to offend people <laughs> or make people upset. And um, but the reality is we have to start talking about these things because oh, yeah, the whole purpose of this podcast is to talk about you know, real stuff that people really
1: won't talk about. Yeah, and it's counting the cost. Yeah, we we talk a lot about, especially nowadays, we talk about a lot about the love of God, which is beautiful and is absolutely necessary for us to talk about. But we have totally forgotten um, God's uh, hatred of sin and there are consequences to our sin. And that that's something I'm really passionate about. Like, yes, God loves us deeply. But also like when we sin, there are consequences to that. And we don't get to just like go off scot-free and just like jump around. Like there's freedom when we ask for forgiveness, but we still have to deal with the consequences of our sin. And we need to, we have to like balance the two tensions of God loves us deeply, but he's also like has righteous anger. And so when we uh, sin against him, There's going to be a consequence for that.
0: Yeah, and I think of numbers, specifically when I think of Miriam. Uh, Miriam was basically talking about Moses' wife and her and Aaron. And she was talking about it in such a way that God punished her with leprosy because of her. Yeah. Yeah, She was literally talking so bad about Moses' wife and everything. And I'm pretty sure in the moment she knew it was wrong. But yeah, she was continuing to do it. And so God punished her and Aaron was like, begging for her life to Moses. yeah, And he was like, I think the word is, uh, she was like a stillborn baby. Mm-hmm. It was like she was so pale. She was like a stillborn baby, and he was begging for her life. And Moses um, went to God and prayed for God, and God responded in such a way. He was like, if it was her father, it would be the same, same punishment. So she ended up having to leave the city um, for seven days, just to go through the process of her punishment but it made me think um her punishment was a part of why the israelites took so long to get to the promised land yeah and the reason i know that and i can say it so confidently is is because the scriptures say that everyone had to wait until she returned to the city to leave Mm. yeah and so i think about that so so, like ever since i read that i've been thinking about it because i'm like lord how have i lived my life
1: in such a way that perhaps people have been um, healed up by me. Yeah, our sin doesn't just affect us. Our sin never is in a vacuum. Even when we think we're doing it alone in the secrecy of our bedroom, our sin always affects other people and it never is just us being affected by our sin. And I think that's a perfect example of that.
0: Yeah, and even the scriptures talk about um, laying hands like this. You can impart stand on the other people. Be careful who you shake hands with because you can impart um sin within them as ministers we have to be careful like how we are dealing with sin are we living a repentive life are we repenting before god or are we in a constant state of sin so not that we're ministering to other people we are imparting sin saying this is okay we can do this all at the same time it really example, it not. really hurts the heart of god like i yeah. I, I literally <laughs> I gave a prophetic word yesterday, and my heart was so grieved to the point I cried. And I know a lot of people just like, okay, you cried. Listen, I don't cry a lot. <laughs> not in front of people, with yeah. So I'm just bawling because I, I think the Lord allowed me to feel this grief from um, his heart, and I could not help but cry. Yeah. And it's because I think as ministers, and it's no shade to ministers at all because we've all been to that place, but we do have to step up because he expects it
1: out of us. Yeah, absolutely. We have a um, kind of a higher standard. And so sometimes you hear pastors and ministers complaining about like, oh, well, I can't do that or I can't do that. Like God has called you to a higher standard. So yeah, there are gonna be some things that your congregants do that you can't do, but like he's called you to that and you need to own up to it. Like if you're not willing to like live to that higher standard, then you need to reconsider like God has called you to like be above and like for people to be able to look up to you and say there is no like yeah you're human and you're still gonna fail but people should look at you and be like that is a man and woman of God that I can follow after. Absolutely. Absolutely. I
0: think we should get all be to the place in the ministry where people can know us by our fruit. Yeah I, and it's like they have to be followers of God because who else would they be because they live such a life that's so separated from the world yeah and that's that's hard for me to learn because sometimes I felt like I would be in a place of where I would almost not not live like in sin but I'd be so close that I would look like it and that's not okay (laughs) like that is not okay the Bible tells us to refrain from looking evil as well so, and I'm thankful for the friends that I do have, especially like my close, close inner circle who will call me out on that, rebuke yeah. me for it. And then I have to sit in silence and let them do it and then think about, <laughs> contemplate what I've been doing wrong and go to God about it. Yeah. And say, God, I'm so
1: sorry. I didn't realize I was doing it, you know? And it, it takes a humbleness. It really uh, it does. It's hard. It's hard to admit that you're wrong, especially when other people call it out. You're like, Whoa! Wait a minute. You have all these problems. <laughs> Why defensive? are you talking about my problems? <laughs> Get defensive, and I'm hundred yeah, percent. I'm like, and, uh, uh, uh.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is so hard. Why are you always coming at me this way? But I, I've got to the point, the place where I feel like um, I'm okay to be rebuked because yeah. if I can be rebuked, that means that the Lord obviously might like, loves me enough to tell,
1: like, send someone to tell me, hey you're in the wrong get it together yeah yeah it's really important for us to have people like that that surround us i think that's why we see so many um you know failings of these big ministers is because they at some point when you hear about their stories and how they ended up you know committing such grievous sins is because at some point they got rid of accountability at some point they said i don't need this anymore i'm too good for accountability And so no matter what position we end up in or how famous we might be one day, we always have to have people to hold us accountable because no matter how close we feel like we are to God, we're still going to fail and we're still going to sin. So we need people to be like, hey, dude, you're messing up. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) That was
0: good. I had to think about it for a second because it was just like, "Whoa, that was really good. (laughs) Okay, so I really wanted just to ask you or kind of talk about a little bit um, about being a woman in ministry, and the reason why is because it's so rare. A lot of people, or if it, if women are in ministry, they have taken positions that are feminine-based, and um, when I say that, I mean like a mother, so like working with children yeah. only, yeah. or women's ministry, and that's pretty, or like they sing on a worship team, but that's it, and I personally have found myself in a place of where I was torn because you have to understand the Word. Um, studying the Bible, we understand um, context. So when people bring up First Timothy and everything, we're like, well, context, right? Yeah, for sure. But all at the same time, um, it does become hard. makes I think society has made it hard for women to be in ministry specifically, and I know that we have to be obedient to the Word. But personally for myself, um, what is, the Lord has just really pressed on me is he's like I've sent my spirit to empower all people. Yeah. To be able I, to proclaim the gospel. Yeah. And so why would he limit that? If he's if he sent the spirit to all people, then why are we limiting women mm-hmm. to do what he's called us to do? So seeing you in a a youth pastor position, um, I know it's hard. Like I know for a fact, like it's hard when you have to pull um boys aside and you have to correct them and they're looking at you like um Gloria, and my mom (laughs) like so (laughs) i just know it's hard and i honor you for
1: that because i know it's not an easy job like you know so yeah well i was really lucky enough when i was growing up i had a church that was full of uh women serving in ministry women uh female missionaries so like my kid's pastor was a woman And, you know, I grew up with a single mom who loved the Lord. And so everywhere surrounded around me was just like women of faith. So it was never a question to me growing up that women couldn't be pastors. Like I was like, obviously women can be pastors. Mm And I felt a call. Like if God's called me to do something, like what does my gender have to do with it? It was never a question to me until later on, probably towards my senior year, uh, I went to school with a lot of kids and they'd be like, hey, what? What are you gonna do when you leave? Call when you leave high school, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna be a pastor," and they were like, "But you're a woman," and I remember them saying that to me and being like, "What? <laughs> like, what does that have to do with anything?" And I was so confused, and I went back to my mom. I'm like, "Mom, what does me having to be a woman have anything to do with me being a pastor?" And my mom was like. Oh, (laughs) and so, and then like getting into college, I was like, oh, people actually aren't okay with women being ministry. And that was shocking to me. Like I was so privileged as a kid seeing so many women serving in ministry. And I know that's not the same for a lot of people, but I I had that blessing in my life. And so it was, so when I got to college, I was like, oh, women aren't serving in ministry as much as I thought they were. And I have to like defend my calling. I have to be like, well, God's called me, you know, like I know you interpret scripture this way, but God's called me and he says in Joel, he's pouring out his spirit on all, all flesh. So, and so the last few years, the last, you know, since coming to college, I felt like I haven't had to defend my calling as much as other people have, but it's definitely been, um, a hint of having to defend myself, um. Even in, you know, I'm lucky enough to serve in a denomination that loves and supports women, uh, but sometimes we we say that in a statement or in a in a handbook, but it doesn't always happen in practice. And so I've I've been in rooms with other youth pastors, and it's just men, and it's like I'm invisible, or it's just really awkward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like. I don't know how to talk to a woman that's not my wife. I remember one day in particular, um, I used to go to this youth pastor coffee. And so all of the youth pastors in the area would meet up for coffee. And it just so happened that one day, uh, no one else showed up except for me and this one guy. And we were sitting there talking about our callings, And he was asking me about being a woman in ministry. And I was like, yeah, it's just, I don't understand why men act so weird. around <laughs> me? Like, I'm just... I'm just trying to do what God's called me to do. And he's like, honestly, Abby, I don't even remember the last time I've like sat down and talked with a woman who wasn't my wife. And I was like, that's really sad. Like there are women in your youth group. There are young ladies in your youth group. There are women in your congregation who like need your stewarding. Like, yes, absolutely. We should have women pouring into them, but it's also beneficial for men to pour into us too. Like we need, both perspectives in our life. And so that was really eye-opening for him. Um but along the way I've also seen people um support me. I go to this other youth pastor meeting that's actually just Baptist youth pastors and then me, little female assemblies of God, <laughs> female youth pastor, and I came in and I was really nervous the first time I went. I'm like they're going to be like I'm sorry ma'am, you can't come. And that is not the case at all. They came up to me and they're like, hey, Abby, I know for a long time that we maybe have done wrong against women, but I want you to know we love and support you and believe in your calling to ministry. And I was like, wow, this is so beautiful to see like people are finally understanding Um, if God's placed a call on someone, they've got to do it. Like I can't Mm -hmm. ignore the call on my life and just sit on the sidelines just because I'm a woman and so it's been really beautiful to see all denominations really Uh, lots of different denominations come and be like hey we love and support you and there is still a lot of work to be done that's for sure but we are on a trajectory that I'm really happy with and proud of um, and excited about of bringing women to the table and supporting them and um, sometimes people think it is weird having a female youth pastor. I mean, I guess it. I didn't have a female youth pastor, so I don't know what it's like. I do wonder a lot how, um, how having a female youth pastor will affect my students. I don't think it will be in a negative way. I just think it's going to be different because I don't preach like a man. I don't, you know... I'm not really like, yeah, let's play dodgeball and hit each other in the face or like <laughs> eat weird baby food as a youth group. Okay? <laughs> you know, like some other youth fousers, that is not me. Um, and one thing, and sometimes I get really insecure about that. Um, you know, we just got back from camp and I'll see all these guys and they're like, yeah, all these youth are like, yeah, we're going to win. Woo-woo-woo. And I am very competitive and I would like you to know my team did win. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> 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 but i realize realized God has called me to be exactly who I am. Yeah, He's not calling me to try to be like some other youth pastor. He's not calling me to be like the male youth pastor down the road. He's called me for a reason and called me to my students for a reason. And so when insecurity seeps in, I'm like, well, I'm not like that guy. And, and I'm not like these other youth pastors. I have to remind myself, he's called me. And he's called me for a reason and I have specific talents and abilities and giftings that other people might not have. And so I'm going to use what God's given me and reach the loss like he's called me to do and pour into the next generation like he's called me to do. And I'm not going to be afraid or ashamed of that.
0: Yeah. And I think um, I'm. I personally, I have so many women that pour into me and I am so thankful because when it was a lot of men I have that support me but a lot of men and women were the ones who were like you can't be called to ministry or you can't go into ministry because of this or because of that and it discouraged me for a long time and I think that was another reason why I didn't want to go into ministry yeah even though everybody there was people (laughs) looked at me and they were just like um, you just seem like you have a call in your life. I didn't see that myself. Yeah. And it was my youth pastor. His name's Kerry Wilkins and Lawan Oxenine. And they poured into me so much because they seen something in me I didn't see myself. And then I had like Pastor Floyd here okay. in Springfield that would pour into me. And he would push me like past where I thought I should be pushed. Yeah. And then, like, people, women, like, my, uh, I like, I would call her my spiritual mother. I go to her about everything. My mom, my grandma, who taught all of her life. She can break down Bible stories like nobody I've ever known. Mm-hmm. People, like, Sister Virginia, and the reason I'm calling them out because I just know and they are the type of people that listen to this, and I appreciate them so much. Sister Wanda and all these people that would pour into me because they seen something in me, Absolutely. because somebody seen something in them. Yeah. And that blew my mind, <laughs> just like, yes, thank you, Jesus, for all of these people. Um, but at the same time, when people would come to me and they would be like, you can't go to ministry. I remember I had a teacher. This is no joke. When I decided I was going into ministry, it was right before I graduated. It was right before COVID. I had this teacher come up to me and they were like, you'll never be able to make it in college because of what you're doing. Wow. And... I was so broken. I went home and told my mom, mom was ticked. She was ready <laughs> to go to the schoolhouse. Yeah. And um because of what I was doing, because I had switched over into ministry and they were just like, Why are you going into uh why are you going to uh assembly and God's school and you left the assembly of God and it was like and I was just like, Whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Who said I can't still continue to do this and not be affiliated with <laughs> like you get what I'm saying? So it was just like that almost outweighed all these good voices that i had because it was so heavy and the lord had to take me on a journey and he really had to take me to a place where i had to stop people pleasing and worrying about what people said and i learned what paul said in galatians and he said in galatians 1 and 10 it says obviously i'm not trying to win the approval of people but god if it's pleasing People were my goal. I would not be Christ's servant. Yeah. And that hit me in the face. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, Lord. And it took me, I was in college. I was I was about to graduate my bachelor's degree. And I was just learning how to nod yeah. people, please. Yeah. And I had to go through a journey and God had to strip me to the bone and rip out the marrow just for me to be able to see what he was calling me to do yeah. or what he was calling um, me out of, and that was hard. That was a deliverance that took a while, and it took a lot of breaking. And it took a lot of crushing, a lot of tears, and I didn't realize what I was going through at the time. I just thought I was um, going. <laughs> I just really thought I was just depressed and a lot of, it, and a lot of it was. I was going through anxiety and depression, but the other part was God was working in me, and I wasn't giving. Giving him the time of day to realize that he was just saying, "I got you." Yeah.
1: you stop worrying about people. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah, I'm still learning that. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's hey <okay. laughs> It's a process. No, it is a process. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, I, I say that to encourage you that it, it is. It's not people who you have to be obedient to. Yeah. And that that's hard because you you want to make people happy. Oh, yeah. Sure. But something I've even learned, like even in a prophetic way, like giving prophetic words and everything, sometimes they're not like everybody wants to be encouraged. It's encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. Encouraging. Word. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> they do call you out. Yeah. If, um, for instance, I can really talk about this because this is fresh. The Lord gave me a prophetic word last week. And he's hoping to release it. So I released it last night. But I I really, I debated all day. All day. I mean, I was to the point, I just wanted to lay in my bed all day because um, of this weight. I failed because it wasn't like a, well, guys, let's go. Like, (laughs) we're ready to go. It was a rebuke. It was like, get it together. Because when Christian persecution comes, the lukewarm will fall apart. And so <laughs> I was like, "Um, God, do you want me to deliver this word to people, and I barely like have a good relationship with these people already, and you're telling me to start out the gate with fire. Like <laughs> just start I just start <laughs> like I yeah. just started a podcast. I just started these live prayer meetings every week. like, and you're telling me, we're two weeks in. This is my third prayer meeting. You're telling me to come out the gates with fiery trial, and everybody's gonna be looking at me. And I was so, (laughs) I was like, God, I can't do it because I was worried about hurting people. Yeah, I genuinely was. And God was
1: like, I just need you to trust me and be obedient to me because I'm who matters. Yeah. And that was, yeah. So Yeah, we have to do what God's called us to do and then let the person who is supposed to receive it do with that what they will. And sometimes people will be like, oh, yeah, you're right. And sometimes we'll be like, excuse you. So that's on them. Like, you just have to do exactly the thing that God's called you to do and let the other person handle it how they're going to handle it.
0: I think women in general, especially women that feel called to ministry, deal with that more. I feel like the people-pleasing aspect comes in the form of, like, women sometimes because women are so scared of overstepping a boundary with men that they're willing to please man before they're willing to please God. And that's where, like, this fear comes in and they're like, oh, well, I can't be obedient to God. I can't be bold for God because man won't
1: let me. Well, I promise if you just be obedient to God, he'll open the door. I think often uh, women in ministry, we all already feel like uh, we're tiptoeing around people just for the fact of we're women in ministry. And so when we want to say something or we feel like god's calling us to do something that's against the status quo or we know is going to um not be popular with people it makes us want to shrink back and not do that because we're like i'm already walking on eggshells just because of my gender in my ministry and so now god you're asking me to (laughs) say this thing or or change the status quo and, and people aren't gonna like that And and I've dealt with that for a long time, but I'm really thankful. I I serve under leaders who love me my pastors uh, support women ministry and they love women in ministry and they value my voice. And having my voice valued has been uh, honestly life-changing for me. Like someone saying like, Abby, God's called you and he's speaking to you too. Like he's not just speaking to me, he's speaking to you too. And the people need to know what he's saying to you too. Like, if God's called you to say something difficult, or God's telling you we need to do something difficult, we have to do it. We can't just like please everyone and walk around them. And so that's been really empowering for me of like, yeah, just because I'm a woman in ministry, I still have to do what God's called me to do. And I can't, I cannot just like walk around eggshells on, with people because then I'm not fully fulfilling the call God has in my life. Like I'm only giving him part of me if I'm not doing all the things he's called me to. And yeah, people aren't always going to like what we say. People aren't always going to like us changing the status quo or doing something new. But if that's where God's calling us to, we have to do it. I think that's kind of like our theme we've been talking about accidentally throughout this whole episode is like, if God's called you to do something, you have to do it despite what other people might think despite how um you know obviously you should do everything in a loving way um with kindness and, and representing the fruits of the spirit but sometimes god's going to call you to do things and say things uh in a loving way that are still going to hurt people and so we have to be um aware of that and be ready to take the take the the hit of it and know that at least we're doing what god's called us to do and walk with people through those difficult, you know, those new things, those difficult things. In summary
0: of this podcast, um, if God says it, do it. <laughs> yeah, for real. It, I mean, it comes with a cost and you're gonna, it's going to break you in some cases. Um, but the good part is through salvation comes healing. And through our walk with Jesus, he will mend broken pieces. It might not feel like it all the time. But the joy of the Lord is our strength, and that's how we're going to make it out of it, and we're going to be okay, you know? And so God will surround you with people that will uplift you. And so that's really encouraging to know because um, there's a point in my life where I'm like, God, who in the world are, how am I going to make friends because I was just, you know, this girl from North Carolina, I didn't know anybody coming. God surrounded me with people. That were God fearing people, that people that love Jesus and um, were radical for him. And they just wanted to, you know, experience the love of God, but also be empowered by his spirit. And God will surround you with those people. God will bring relationship to these people. God will teach you. You just have to trust him through the whole process. So when he says to go do it, he's going to equip you. And this pastor, his name's Hendrick Jones. I don't know where he got it from. Um, he's back from home, but he, I was telling him about what the Lord had placed on my heart for just different things. And he would just look at me and he's so wise. He's wise. He's so wise. It just it blows me away sometimes. But he he would say, Um, you know, if God wills, he'll make a way. And so I would just be like, Okay, yeah, we're gonna do it. Or like my mom always say, Little is much when God's in it. Oh yeah. So it's just yeah. these little things that keep you going is these little bits of uh, wisdom that's going to keep you going. God's going to give you wisdom as you seek his wisdom, as you seek his face. He's going to prepare you for it. He's going to add all these things unto you to help you do what
1: he's called Um, um, you to
0: do. Yeah, I I think think the
1: sacrifice of our life is always worth it. Um, One, he's just worth it because of his sacrifice for us, like his great sacrifice. So man I'm gonna lay down my whole life for him just because of his sacrifice and even in the midst of laying down our lives he blesses us just like you said he surrounds us with people who love and care for us he speaks words of life over us and peace and joy and so I, I there is nothing greater than laying our lives down to him like the the cost at times feels really heavy but as you go throughout life you realize like that cost is so worth it. Mm-hmm. I'll give it all to him every single day because he is so worthy of it.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, Abby, we've ran out of time. <laughs> <laughs> it always happens, and I'm really sad every time it happens because I'm just like, this was so good. Um, <laughs> I'm very appreciative for you coming on the podcast. Ew. I just know that your your testimony and your wisdom is going to empower. Uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to empower women and also men. Like, this isn't just for, even though we talked about women, uh, the Spirit empowers men as well. And so if you're dealing with these insecurities and um, feeling like you can't make it out of the place that you're in where you feel like you're people-pleasing, the same applies to you. It's not just to women. It applies to you, too. So... Thank you again. Thank and you. I'm so excited. This was fun. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, we'll talk to you later and we'll see you again next Friday. Peace.